Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast. Me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Today, we're going to be talking about staying the same. Boom. Staying the same. Yep. Literally, <laughs> literally staying the exact same. That is, a, that is actually the topic of the podcast because what we're going to discuss, we're back on to the nutrition uh, podcast because obviously we have this series running. Obviously, we had a special report, a bulletin report, a, an interruption to normal proceedings uh, that came out on Friday uh, about you know dealing with the, the two weeks that are ahead of us. And this does somewhat tie in for some people, um, the, the, the concept of staying the same or maintaining what you have built, right? And this is obviously from a nutritional perspective, like what we're trying to do um, with the diet to effectively maintain or find the level of calories that maintains our body weight and to an extent body composition, right? So there's effectively four times throughout your lifting, health and fitness, whatever you want to call this stuff, there's effectively four times throughout this whole career um, where it becomes important that you figure out your maintenance or where you would utilize a period of eating that maintenance, right? And the first one is we've already discussed it in the initial uh, nutrition episode on setting up your calories. Like you, to find out how to eat in a deficit or how to eat in a surplus and whatever else, how to design, set up your diet, you need to know what your maintenance level of calories is, right? So that's the first one. You know, you need to know where the level or what the level of calories is that maintains your body weight, right? And as we discussed in that episode, you can use a formula or you can use a, an average and adjust type deal where, you know, you eat a certain amount of calories, you see how your body weight responds, and then you adjust your calories, you know, to, you know, accommodate for whatever changes happen. And we'll dive a little bit deeper into that again. And um, that is one method. But the second time it becomes important is, you know, after you have dieted, say, because for most people, they're going to look to lose fat first. That's going to be their main goal when they come to this health and fitness stuff, they're like, oh, I want to lose the, the fat that I've accumulated over the last few years. And uh, so maybe they do a 12 week diet period, right? And then to transition out of that, you know, you probably want to eat at maintenance, you know, and there's, there's some challenges that come around that, finding out where maintenance is, because it's obviously different than where it started because, you know, you've lost 10 kilos, you know? So um, that's the second line maintenance becomes important, right? And then a lot of people also, they're looking to gain some muscle. I'm going to gain muscle. We've talked about that as well with the nutrition stuff. You know, you're probably going to gain some body weight, some body fat. You're definitely going to gain some body weight. Um, probably going to gain some body fat at the end of your muscle gain dieting uh, period. And generally what we recommend is at the end of that, before you start transitioning into a diet, you know, we recommend eating that maintenance for a week even, two weeks generally, just to effectively harden the results you know and um, effectively find out where maintenance actually is because you know <clears throat> we have all these metabolic adaptations that do occur in response to overfeeding and you know we need to figure out where what the level of maintenance calories actually is that you know actually maintains our body weight our new body weight you know because then we can start adjusting the calories from there if we are going back into a fat loss phase or whatever right and um, so there are the three first of all then the final one is like we always call it the, the lifetime appropriate uh, diet, you know, or the lifetime calorie appropriate diet where effectively, you know, you've, you've milked all the results you can get. You have built all the muscle, well, not all the muscle, but the vast majority of the muscle that you can build, you know, you've got as lean as you would like 
to stay for the rest of your life. You know, you're like, yeah, I like this level of definition. Have a six pack, have some veins here. I look great in your own humble opinion, you know, um, and you're just looking to maintain the results that you've achieved for the rest of your life. You're like, you're not looking to really gain much more muscle. Yeah. You wouldn't mind gaining a little bit more muscle or whatever. And um, you definitely wouldn't mind, you know, increasing your performance. You wouldn't mind increasing your health, all those kind of things, but you're pretty happy with where your body weight is at, you know? Um, so obviously you want to eat at a level of calories that allows you to maintain all the hard work that you've done. Right. And um, so that's the, the final one we'll touch on because that is a bit more of a conceptualized, uh, a bit more of a, I'll call it a, an esoteric theoretical discussion uh, around that because there's a lot that goes in behind that, that you, you see a lot of things discussed in the health and fitness industry that or adjacent to the health and fitness industry or in the general public that, you know, would suggest that maintaining the results that you've achieved for the rest of your life is impossible. You know, like you see a lot of like diets don't work um ideology put forward and it's like okay well that's that might have been the case for you but that's not necessarily the case for everyone you know so understanding how you actually maintain the results for the rest of your life you know someone just learned how to diet and they never learned how to maintain and all of a sudden they're they're complaining that the diet didn't work and it's like okay all you learned how to do was get fat loss that's all you learned you didn't learn the rest of the stuff that you were supposed to learn, you know? So it's a case of lacking education leading to a lack of long-term results. So how do we kind of go about fixing that? Again, we'll touch on that. Obviously it's a much broader conversation, but that is another thing about maintenance that you do need to know, right? So first of all, Gary, we've discussed it before, so you don't need to go too in depth in this, but again, we have those two methods. We're starting out our diet. We don't know where to start. We're going to find maintenance. How do we do it? We, we want to start maybe losing fat. We want to maybe start gaining muscle, whatever. But we're just going about we're complete noob, never looked at our diet before. How do I find my maintenance level of calories? Yeah, so the important thing when trying to find maintenance, especially as a beginner, is to, you basically kind of have to suppress the initial motivation and excitement you have about the journey you're embarking on, pretty much. like Because when people do get into, like they decide, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on top of my nutrition, I'm going to start losing fat or whatever it is, then they have this initial spike in motivation. And very often, if you tell them, you know, eat as normal for a week or two, they're still not. Like, it's, it's a case of like, oh, no, I'm in diet mode, man. I'm, I'm up prepping my meals, doing things they've never done before. So it is a difficult thing to do. But the general guidance would be, let's take a week or two for you, preferably two weeks, for you to eat kind of as you normally would, you know, if someone is trying to make more healthful decisions, I'm not going to stop them. But I would say, you know, eat until you're eat until you feel satisfied eat until you feel full. You know, if you're if you're starving in the evening, and you feel like you need to eat again, eat something else, you know, so I'm happy for people to adopt healthful decisions in that time. But I don't want them to feel like they're restricting because the goal there is to get an idea of where their maintenance actually is. Because if I as a coach can look back after two weeks, and I see that, okay, yeah, there was a bit of variation day to day, but on average, this person consumed 2300 calories. And it seems like their body weight more or less maintained, then I have a rough idea 
that their maintenance is probably somewhere in and around 2300 um, and there might be some variation there but there's also variation how that has been tracked so you don't have to get too caught up in the specifics but i have a rough kind of ballpark estimate of where maintenance might be and hence if we're trying to then get into a diet or into a gaining phase we know that we either have to subtract or add calories to that level um, assuming that energy expenditure is maintained as it is so that kind of that that idea of like monitoring and then like checking where the calories were at and adjusting or and seeing where body weight is that's one of my favorite methods of getting an idea where someone's maintenance is actually at um because it also you know gives them a bit of time to kind of you know if they are making some some more healthful decisions they're able to prepare for what's to come and maybe there there's some education that can be drip fed in that time and obviously that's specific to a coaching context um but even if you're even if you're just doing doing this as an individual i think it's good not to get too carried away with the excitement of a diet initially uh, because sometimes people do um rest on that a bit too much um, and they forget about the basic habits so and so just, that's, that's, just on that as well like like obviously the, the ideal like we're talking about an ideal here is you get two weeks of that stuff done yeah right? but like in a in a coaching context like i'm not going to say to someone and be like oh you know just do two weeks of you know random tracking and uh, then we'll start getting results you know so effectively if you are coaching someone or you know, have a coach like they'll generally use a shorter time period but that's because they're leaning on experience to do that you know and mm-hmm. um, so they might be like I want you to track for three to seven days. Then they look at how your weight trended over those three to seven days and they're going to extrapolate down and be like, okay, so you ate 2,200 calories and you know, your weight started to slowly go down. So I'm going to assume that 22 calorie, 2,200 calories is a, a deficit for you. Right. Um, so you, you, even though you think you're eating the same amount of calories, you know, you've obviously made some changes to the diet you've made some, again, healthful changes, the act of tracking itself made you make better choices, you know, and that kind of stuff. Or maybe you didn't snack because you're like, oh, I don't want to track that, you know, where you normally would have snacked, you know. So if you are coaching someone, you know, you can shorten that time period down. Again, I usually get three to seven days worth just because it's like, I know I can interpret that relatively correctly. Um, And, but if you are coaching yourself, like you are training yourself, looking to set up your diet, I generally would give the two week time period because it's a lot easier to see the trend in body weight, how things have moved. If you are tracking over that, that kind of two week time period rather than, Oh, the the guys say that they use three to seven days when they're coaching someone. Like if you don't have the experience to do this yourself, like it, it can be quite hard to do that. So you give yourself a better chance if you do it over uh, a, a longer time period. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, it doesn't have to be a case that you do end up maintaining, like, because you can still use the information because you could, you could have just ate too much and you might actually gain weight in that time, but that still gives you information because if your weight is slightly trended up, then I'm like, okay, I know that that person is in a surplus now. So we're going to have to go a little bit lower, um, a little bit lower than if that was maintenance. So if the goal was to subtract 300 calories, then maybe you might subtract 500 calories if you're trying to transition into a deficit or maybe you might continue and try to find maintenance first but you basically have to just learn to interpret that information like if, if it's the case that you eat as normal for two weeks and your weight drops like by a kilo even even though it's just because you were just a little bit more mindful because you were on this process and that tends to happen um then that's fine you can just continue as you are you don't have to actually end up doing anything fancy and i think that's something that's important for people to take away is that sometimes 
the act of just committing to something and being a bit more mindful can actually lead to you getting the results that you want because previously it just wasn't really on your mind. So even if you don't have specific guidelines from a coach or a nutrition book or an article or whatever, just just thinking that, oh, I'm actually in the weight loss process now, so I'm not going to snack after my dinner, that can lead to people making fairly favorable decisions. And that's something that kind of always have to be aware of. Even when like reading research, that's something that comes up because if you're in the control arm of a research study, let's say, and they're comparing two diets, one of the, the biases that can creep in there is that, well, people know that this is a study that is related to weight loss. So they've got that in their mind. That's going to affect their decisions. Um, so it can definitely affect the decisions of the average, you know, everyday individual going to the gym too. 100%, you know, um, and I, like what you said there as well is, is very important that you, know, you are going to have to interpret the data. You know, like it's not just like effectively what we're suggesting here. And this is one of two methods. Um, effectively, what we're suggesting here is track your weight and then track your diet. You know, use an app, you know, just just track it. You know, that's it's the easiest way for most people. Now, you don't actually have to use an app. You know, you could literally just track it by a visual method. Be like, all right, I ate three meals per day. They all look relatively similar. It's just quite hard to do. Most people are not going to be able to look at a food you know, look at food on a plate and be like, yeah, that's roughly 400 calories. Unless you've tracked for a lot of a long time, you're not going to be able to do that. So it's, it's very easy to use an app and just pop in the data, right? But you still are going to have to interpret the data. You're still going to have to go, okay, I ate this much, these many calories, and my weight changed this much. You're going to have to use that data and be like, okay, let's see what, how those two correlate. So be like, I was eating 2,500 and my weight stayed the same cool right now you know that that's roughly your maintenance calorie level you know you were eating 2200 and your weight started to go down and you're like okay so i know that that's probably somewhere in a deficit you know now again to what extent i don't know it depends it depends on you as an individual did you also increase your activity did you also do all the other things that you know play into this we don't know again you have to interpret the data with the the data points that you have and then hopefully flesh that out with other data points but again on top of that, you were eating 2,700 and your weight started to slowly go up. It's like, okay, we know you're in a surplus. Cool. So we can find maintenance. You know, in all those cases, we can use that data to find maintenance or a rough approximation of maintenance, right? Because that's all this is. This is a rough starting point. Your maintenance, it fluctuates day to day. You know, it's, it, it goes all over the place. You know, you could be colder one day. You could, you know, be slightly more active one day. You know, you could, you know, do thousands of different things in a single day that would change your level of maintenance. Now, the degree, the magnitude that which it changes could be minimal. It could be like 50 calories in the difference, which is, you know, largely irrelevant, but it still is fluctuating, right? So we're always using a rough estimation. We're getting a, a rough estimation thinking like, okay, this is roughly maintenance level, right? So don't think that there is some magic to maintenance and this is going to be your maintenance for the rest of your life or whatever no it fluctuates day to day and it certainly fluctuates throughout your life right so that's the first method there is more on that and um, which kind of feeds into the next few discussions but i also just want to say that to find your maintenance you can also just use a formula you know you, there's we have a, a calorie calculator on our site and we also use cal calorie calculators and um, for certain things with our coaching clients and different things like that. Um, but I do want to say on that, that even though you can get the most, what seems scientific method, which is, you know, 
bang all your details into this calorie calculator, use your activity multiplier and do all that kind of stuff. Like that is still just giving you a rough number. You know, that's still just a, an average of all the data that the person making that calculation had available to them. You know, that, 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 that calculation didn't work for all of the people that the data or that was used to make that calculation. You know, it's still only a rough approximation. You know, you still have to use the actual trends in body weight, how your body is actually responding to ac accurately interpret whether you've been at calorie maintenance for a period of time, you know? So that is the other method. You can use uh, a calculator. You can find hundreds, thousands of different sites that have them embedded in their site. You can download our one, it's on our site. Um, but I just wanna say that that's still just a rough approximation. You're still going to have to look at data, look at the trends over time. You know, you're gonna have to interpret how your body is responding because ultimately at the end of the day, like that's the only thing that matters for this whole discussion. It's like, how are you actually responding to this level of calories? You know, just because you eat at a level of calories that you say that's maintenance. Like if your body doesn't maintain its body weight on that level of calories, it's simply not maintenance. So I don't care if you got that number from a world-class coach or you got that number from this unbeatable, you know, spreadsheet calculator it's you know your body is interpreting that differently and that's not maintenance right so maintenance by definition means you maintain now there is again daily normal fluctuations in your weight you know we're talking about you maintain the the average you know you're over a period of time again this way we're saying two weeks is probably easier to interpret over a period of time your average weight is roughly the same you know like obviously there's going to be days where you know you have a little bit more salt or had a little bit more water or you had a little bit more fiber or you know you sweated a bit more and like your, your weight is going to fluctuate as a result of all those things you know um so we're looking for that average like i've i couldn't tell you the amount of times i've had clients go oh we're, we, we're supposed to be eating that maintenance here and like my weight went up like two kilos this day so i'm freaking out here and it's like all right cool like you just you had like you were eating different foods you slept a little bit fucking differently. You know, you had in interrupted sleep last night. Your stress has been up the last week. You know, all these things are going in to make this fluctuation a normal part of being a human. You know, this doesn't mean that you gain two kilos of fat in a day. You know, it just doesn't happen, right? And then inevitably when we continue on the path of eating at maintenance, it's like, oh yes, see that? Our weight came back down. You're still on easy maintenance, you know? So that is something that you should interpret that these daily fluctuations are going to happen. And that is normal. 100%. Yes, sir. You happy to go on to the next one? You think we covered getting maintenance yes. done? We, we were discovered, dis discovered it, discussed it before as well in setting the calories. Yeah. So people are aware. They know what, what the source is. You know, if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, do so now. You know, I don't know. I think it was 99, I want to say, 98. Could be any one of them. It's setting the diet, right? Um, and obviously there's a whole discussion as well that we need to do around, you know, the, the macronutrient breakdown of this, but that'll come at the end. Right. And we're just talking purely from calories here now. Right. So the next one, we found our initial maintenance. Cool. We did that. That was 12 weeks ago, Gary. Right. And since that time we have got fucking shredded. Right. We were in a 500 calorie deficit. Right, we got shredded absolutely. Like I have veins everywhere now. You know, I'm, it's a, it's actually ludicrous. 
right? Um, so we've been dining for 12 weeks and I'm like, you know, it's beach time. I want to be able to, you know, enjoy a little bit more food and, you know, do some barbecues on the beach and, uh, you know, maybe I want to have a Corona or two, maybe not now. Um, not definitely, man. Um, so what, what's the sauce? So we've, we've dieted. What are, how do we, like, how do we go back to eating like a somewhat normal human? Cause I'm, I'm getting kind of hungry now. I'm at the end of that 12 weeks of dieting and like hunger is, you know, it's nipping at me. Um, you know, I look great, but I am feeling a little bit hungry, you know? So how do I go, how do I transition to maintenance from here? How do I know where my maintenance is? Cause obviously it's not the same. I lost five, six, seven, eight kilos, you know? Yeah. So like, firstly, I think something that's so important here, especially because the broader health and fitness discussion is so heavily influenced by bodybuilding and physique focused trainees. I think the important thing to get here is that you are allowed to maintain like <laughs> that is okay because this is something that people, and we'll get more to this towards the end of the conversation, but this is something that a lot of people actually forget. Like people get into fitness or they want to diet because you know, look, I want to feel more comfortable in my body. I want to have more energy. You know, I want to be able to, you know, go to the beach and feel confident and you know, they're all valid goals, but sometimes they can actually just be thrown to the wayside when people, they diet down and all they see is the next phase and it's all about something more. And what ends up happening is people say, oh, the diet is over, is over. So now it's bulk time. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like, did you, did you not want to enjoy like this time? Like you, you just spent 12 weeks getting here. Do you not want to stay lean now? Do you not want to try and solidify those habits and see if you can kind of stay near that? Like, cause the thing is like the whole bulking and cutting kind of cycle of constantly going through the, those phases is mostly influ influenced by competitive bodybuilders and people who are competing in physique shows because they have defined periods like, well, now I'm getting muscle and now I'm dieting down. And they're well, hopefully if they're, if they have a healthy relationship with bodybuilding, their, their love for what they're doing, their love for the process and their love for their body, you could say is not just dependent on them being lean. It's also during the growth process. To be honest, I think that's not the case for a lot of compet competitors. They do get obsessed with be being lean and that's, it's kind of, you know, makes, makes sense. Um, but in this case, I think for a lot of the general population, it's important to, you know, get to the end of that, that dieting phase, that weight loss phase and say to yourself, right, I'm going to take a breather. I'm going to try to get back to maintenance and see if I can stay around here. Like you don't want to just jump right back into another phase because what it also does when people do that is it can actually affect you even worse psychologically, to be honest, because you finish the diet and suddenly two to four weeks later, you're up multiple kilos and that you're still just comparing yourself to the person that you were at the end of the diet. And that can be difficult for some people to take. And it can sometimes precipitate that cycle of, oh, well, I need to diet again now. You know, I've just gained weight, right? So as we come up to summer, some of you may have been, you know, starting a fat loss diet and you're thinking, right, first holiday, you know, in May, um, you know, in July, I'm going to go away for a weekend again, you know, we might get three days of sun in August in Ireland. So might want to, you know, feeling good for that or whatever. Um, it all depends on your goals. So if you're thinking of doing that, then it would be wise to say to yourself, all right, during the summer, I'm going to try and use maybe a month or two months or three months, depends on your, your goals really 
to just maintain and to just say, look, I'm just going to stay kind of as I am. The thing is, you can still continue improving your fitness qualities when it comes to training, whether it be your conditioning or your strength, um, even potentially some muscle mass. So you can still work on those things. Um, but basically what you're doing is you're, you're taking what you have built and you're saying, right, I'm going to use this now to better my life in some way because you do have that bit of extra confidence. So you want to get out socially. You don't want to be just thinking about it in terms of the gym. Um, so yeah, the maintenance phase is essentially for that purpose for a lot of people. It's to solidify what you've done. It's to get back to maintenance and start building habits that can actually potentially lead to long-term weight loss maintenance. So the key thing to realize here is that when, when people get to the end of a diet, what they think is that what is required to maintain is the same as what was required to get there. And that's not the case. So if you were in a 500 calorie deficit, and let's just say that was the case for the last two to three weeks before the end of your fat loss phase, then adding those 500 calories is going to lead to a maintenance of your current body composition. And I, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people make when they think when they're in a dieting process. I've had a lot of clients who think, God, like, I don't know if I can maintain this long term and the way, like the way that I'm eating. And it's like, no, 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 you, you don't have to because you're going to be able to eat a little bit more and maintain. And the thing is, once you do reverse that deficit, and you get back to maintenance and your energy, you feel a bit more energetic. You have more of those positive metabolic adaptations and that you're sweating a bit more. You've, you know, you're moving a bit more, you've more energy for the gym, et cetera. You're, you're going to have a slight increase in maintenance anyway. Um, that may not be that significant, but it's going to be something. So if you were previously on 2000 calories and your maintenance was 2,500 by eating extra food um, through the thermic effect of eating and through the aforementioned variables, your maintenance might go up to 2,600. So now you're eating 2,600 calories and you're maintaining. So that's a pretty significant difference of 25 to 30% of the calories you're eating when you were dieting. And now you're back to just kind of maintaining. And once you let that solidify, you let those habits kind of ingrain and you don't get too excited with the oh, the diet is over, time to eat everything. Um, it can actually be a really positive experience. And it's something that I think is, is really underutilized by a lot of people. Yeah, and obviously it goes into a larger discussion, which we want to have towards the end. Um, yeah. Because this is how people are like, oh, diets don't work. And it's like they effectively never learned to do this period. You know, mm -hmm. They never learned to transition from, oh, I've dieted for 12 weeks. That was my mentality. You know, You have all these different again adaptations metabolically but also like mentally it's like oh you're restrictive in your eating you have all these you know patterns habits that are built up around the diet to effectively stop you from eating calories and that generally eat re results in like somewhat of a, a poorer relationship with food you know or the beginnings of that and that's that's perfectly fine it is you have to do what you have to do to get the results for a given time period but you also have to have a plan of action to reverse out of that now there is obviously this concept of reverse dieting which you know we're not going to get into it here because you know it's kind of bullshit but um you can't you do need to have a plan of action to get out from where you ended the diet to eating at a maintenance level of calories you know and practically speaking like to do that like i just always estimate where that will be for my clients you know if i'm coaching someone and we finish up a 12-week diet and based on their rate of fat loss based on the calories they've been eating and their activity level like i'll just estimate where i think their new maintenance is you know so say they they started their diet they were at 2500 and that was their maintenance right so we were like oh we're going to be aggressive with this we're going to drop you down to 2000 calories 
and see how fat loss goes, right? And for those 12 weeks, they were losing fat. Great. You know, it started to slow towards the end, but we approached our goal anyway, you know, to get them lean, etc. And now they're like, okay, I want to transition to maintenance. You know, I'm, I'm as lean as I want to be. I've achieved my goals. You know, maybe they, again, are going on holiday. Maybe they want to eat more calories, whatever, right? And from that, I will just estimate where I think their new maintenance is. You know, again, we'll just say using that example, maybe it's now 2,250. We'll just be like, right, cool. We just took 250 calories off our initial maintenance, you know? And this is where I think you are based on, again, your weight has been trending down, but it has been slowing a little bit. We're just going to try 2250, right? See how it goes on that. And then we do that. And then you notice again, like I was saying, you get some positive metabolic adaptations where, you know, your energy goes up a little bit. You have more motivation. You're pushing yourself harder in the gym. You know, you're sweating more, you know, your activity is up, that kind of stuff. You're like, okay, actually, no, we're still losing weight at 2250, right? We're going to bump that up to, even if it's only a little bit, 2300. Right, and you go, okay, how are we on this? Like, still losing weight, okay, 2350. And we're like, okay, boom, there, that's a little bit closer to where maintenance is. You seem to be very much on point with you know maintaining at that level, you know. So, it is a process, and again, there's no, there is no unbelievable secret, you know, oh, this is the, the, the key to doing it. It's like, no, you just have to realize that. It's going to be a process again of finding where that that maintenance level is you know yeah it does fluctuate it's a little bit hard to interpret but there is a level of calories that are going to maintain your new body weight now that is true to an extent and also not true once you start really really getting out of the range of what's quote-unquote normal for human physiology right so if you're three percent body fat you know finding your maintenance to maintain that like that maintenance level while you can physically do it you're probably still going to have all of the negatives associated with dieting. You're probably still going to be very hungry. You're not going to get this huge boost in activity level and you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, you're still going to feel like shit if you're 3% body fat. Like the body was not designed to be 3% body fat for long periods of time. You know, it was designed to be 3% body fat during periods of severe starvation, right? Um, so you're going to feel like you're in a period of extreme starvation being at 3% body fat, right? Um, like your body is telling you, all the signals are telling you to get more food at that level, right? So there is obviously a range of body fat that you can maintain very easily. Generally for guys, like that can be as low as 6% and 6% is fucking pretty shredded, but that it, it is possible for some individuals to maintain that, right? But for the majority of individuals, it's probably more around the 10 to 15% body fat that they, they find they are not really obsessed with food and are more easily able to maintain, you know, that level of body fatness, right? Again, somewhere in that 12 to maybe 16% body fat. Like obviously it's above that. It's also easier to maintain. Like, you know, it's like, it's very easy to maintain 20% body fat. You just eat more food, you know? <laughs> um, but like 10 to 15%, if you're like, that's the level of leanness that I'm, I'm happy with, you know, it's very easy to maintain that for the majority of people. There are obviously outliers below that that can be like 6% body fat and maintain that easily. And obviously there are also outliers the other side where, you know, being even 15%, they find it hard. They struggle to maintain that. Now, generally that's because of, we'll call them poor habits in other places, like their activity level is just very low. You know, they're just not able to get their activity up because, you know, they have a sedentary job or something. So they have to eat for what they feel 
uh, or what they want to maintain. Uh, they have to eat excessively low calories, you know, uh, relatively speaking. They're like 2,000 calories is excessively low. But it's like, yeah, you used to eat that much because, you know, you get 4,000 steps in a day, you know? Like the only way we can get you eating more to a level that you're, you feel, you know, actually satiated is if we actually get you moving more and it's just not possible with your lifestyle currently, you know? So you do have to factor that in. But getting down to, I should also give the, the female numbers, like for a female, like 12% body fat is, you know, the, that kind of like excessively lean, everyone, you know? And um, 15%, that's probably the very lower limit of like, you can maybe maintain this, you know, again, it depends on your lifestyle, whatever else, but 15%, 15 to 25% for females should be very easy to maintain. Obviously that's a, a big broad range. And, um, but also there's a little bit more variability for females. And like some people at 15% are just going to feel like fucking shit. And um, whereas some people at 20% for females are just going to feel like shit. So you're just going to have to, listen to your body and find a level of body fat that is uh, aesthetically uh, appealing for you. And then also, you know, metabolically and health wise, physiologically appealing for your body, <laughs> you know? Um, and it is just about finding that range, you know, but in terms of maintaining it going forward, like there is obviously a body fatness level that you can maintain and that is going to be different for everyone, but to actually maintain it, you still have to go about the same process of finding that rough level of calories where it's like, okay, this, I, I feel satiated on this. My energy is good and I'm able to maintain what I have done over the previous 12, 16, 20 week dieting period, you know, which also brings up the next point. Like, obviously if you've been dieting for 40 weeks, you know, and then you move to maintenance, that's not just some panacea of, this is going to fix all of the you know, negative metabolic adaptations that I've had because I've been dieting for 40 weeks. Like it's going to take your body some time to feel good again after having dieted for 40 weeks, you know? So eating at maintenance, even to maintain the, the fat loss that you've achieved over that previous 40 weeks, like it's going to take some while for you to feel good even eating at maintenance. Like your body is still going to be giving you out signals that like, eat more because it, effectively it's felt like it's been starving for 40 weeks, you know? So you just have to ride that out and it can be very hard, uh, especially when you don't have that, like mentally that very, like I'm in a diet period, you know, I have a goal, a set date that I want to finish the diet on. If you then go, Oh yeah, now we're just transitioning to maintenance with no fixed goals, no plan of action going. It's very hard to stay on track with the diet with that. So mentally there's a lot that goes into it, but again, that's kind of informs the, the, the final discussion, right? So in terms of finding your maintenance after a diet, very simple. It's the exact same process you used at the start. Again, you can use a calculator, do all that stuff. It's still not as effective as just eating at a calorie level that you think is roughly where your maintenance now is, and then seeing how your body weight changes over time, right? Again, use about a two-week time period. You should know, right? And um, it's a little bit harder for women, you know, but again, you should still be able to interpret the data, right? Um, now, in terms of changing your calories or cha sorry, changing your macronutrients, there's, there's potential to change things around. Like, especially if you're dieting, you might've been eating a slightly higher protein diet. You know, you, again, go back to our dieting podcast and listen to that and um, transitioning to maintenance. I actually like to keep protein high just because it keeps the habits that you've built uh, the last while. And then I just usually make the change depending from like, or add the calories depending on how the diet has gone previously. 
either directly from fat because you know maybe you dieted and your fat macronutrients you know you got them quite low remember in the, the dieting podcast we said like 0.6 grams is where or 0.6 grams per kg of body weight is roughly the lower limit of where we put them at and maybe to get shredded for you you had to go below that you know so that would be my first protocol at least ensuring that that's at 0.6 right and potentially even going up a little bit more from that but again it depends on how the diet has gone how you set it up to actually diet you might go i actually really want to eat more carbs um and that's perfectly fine you can just increase your your carbohydrate intake from there right and if you are planning on maintaining for you know the rest of your life you know which is effectively the last discussion here um you you might then go okay i don't want to eat this level of protein but i do think keeping your protein where it was at during the diet for at least the first two four six eight weeks is a good idea just because it kind of ensures that you still keep those good habits around protein feeding you know you can always lower it once you know that you're at the the right level of calories for for your goals and but as long as you're not getting your protein intake excessively high when you're dieting i think it's a good idea to just keep them roughly where they're at because again like we generally recommend somewhere in that range was like two to 2.2 grams per per kg you know you can be like all right cool i I was dieting on 2.2 or maybe i was dieting on 2.5 again assuming your body weight is also changing that number is probably going to go up anyway and you know you can change it if you want but i just keep it the same it just makes it very easy to make dietary changes rather than changing the entire diet and now all of a sudden you were eating like a kilo of meat per day and it's like oh because i increased my carbs and now i've done this i have to eat less uh meat because you know i'm getting so many protein or grams of protein from the rice that i'm eating now and then you're like oh well i've actually lowered my protein as well and now it's like okay now i'm only eating like 500 grams of meat per day and it's like it's very hard to transition to do that if you change a lot of variables you know so i'm I'm much more of the approach of like changing one of the variables first and then Uh, changing other things as we go you know so change the calories first get a handle on that and then potentially look at changing your protein intake would you agree with that Gary yes sir I'm on board right so I think that covers everything if people are are dieting and then they're transitioning to maintenance right so we will come back to that because there's a, a larger discussion at the end the next thing then is if you are gaining weight you know, you're on this bulk, you know, um, and you finish bulking. So again, we'll, we'll start at the same start point. You know, you're like, well, actually, we'll just, we'll continue on from this. So you dieted down, you got fucking jacked, shredded, oh, unbelievable. And you maintain then you're like, all right, I want to eat a maintenance period for two months. You know, you're like, that's, that's the summer period for me. I got shredded for it. Now we're coming at the end of August. It's September time. And you're kind of like, yeah, it's getting a bit dark out, getting a bit cold out. I wouldn't mind starting going into a gaining period. I want to start gaining some more muscle. You know, yeah, I looked great. I was shredded, whatever, but I felt like I could have been a little bit bigger. You know, I felt like I could have got a bit more muscle. I wouldn't mind now getting a little bit stronger, really pushing for some performance increases. Um, so I'm going into a gaining phase. Now, again, we've talked about the gaining phase. There are a few considerations around setting that up but ideally what we want to try to do is stay lean and gain you know there's no point just banging in an extra thousand calories and gaining two kilos per week you know it's not muscle i'm sorry you know 
So a nice slow rate of gain will say you added 250 to 300 calories, somewhere around that, right? So you've been slowly gaining now and you did that for whatever, three months. It's now coming into January time, maybe you know February time. Again, depending on how long you've been gaining for. But you're like, oh, I have a little bit of fat that I've gained, but you know, I'm pretty happy with the results that I got of that gaining period because I kept it nice, low and slow, right? Now, I want to start transitioning into a fat loss period, but I don't know where my calories should be at for that fat loss period. Generally, what we recommend doing is eating at a maintenance period for, again, two to four weeks. And again, this is both to effectively solidify the gains that you've made, um, but also get a good, good grasp of normal eating habits. You know, you're not force feeding yourself extra food and all that kind of stuff. So a, a period of time, two to four weeks of maintenance is a really good idea um, both from solidifying the gains perspective and then also finding your maintenance. And what I mean by solidifying your gains is, you know, it's very easy to go into the gym and push heavier weights when you have a lot of extra calories in your system. You know, you can do a lot of poor habits. You can get away with poor sleep, poor, you know, uh, recovery modalities when you have a, a lot of extra calories just to effectively be a failsafe. You know, very easy to get into bad habits when there's just extra energy floating around, you know, and effectively, I always use that kind of two to four week period to ensure that the gains that we have made are supported by good recovery modalities, good sleep habits, good stress management habits, all that kind of thing, which can get away from you in a gaining period, you know, and so would you agree with that so far, Gary? Yeah. It's, you want me to talk or you want to continue? You can talk if you want to be anything to add there. Yeah. Fundamentally, like there's not that much to this really. Like, I mean, it is one of those things where like when you say like solidify the gains, like basically what I want people to be able to do when I do implement these types of strategies is I don't want them to transition straight from a gaining phase to a dieting phase and suddenly lose the crutches that they've had because that's sometimes what happens, especially because the transition from gaining to dieting can sometimes be quite significant because if you were, let's say, in a 300-calorie surplus and you're saying to yourself, right, I want, to, no, I want this diet to get moving and you're going to aim for a 500-calorie deficit, then that's a difference of 800 calories initially. And if someone has become quite dependent on that feeling of constantly being full, which a lot of people do, you know, always feeling full, always having food in the system, always having these crazy pumps, then sometimes that can be a bit more of a kind of a psychological shock when you get into a deficit and you can get into that mindset of, oh, I'm, I'm going to be losing strength here. I don't feel the same, blah, blah, blah. Whereas if you can have that maintenance period in the interim, you can start to, as you say, kind of solidify that to not become so dependent on constantly eating more and overfeeding um, and hopefully challenge some of those thought processes so that when you do make that other bit of a nudge into a dieting phase, it's a little bit less kind of abrupt. It's not as abrupt to change or change of direction. Um, and it should be then a bit more manageable for people. And also from a kind of a general behavior perspective, um, you may start to tidy up some aspects of your diet so that you're in a better position when you do get into a to a deficit because you know you may have picked up some behaviors during your gaining phase that may not necessarily be particularly helpful when you get into 
your dieting phase. For example, maybe before, before your workouts, what you've been doing up to now is you go to Costa, you get a large cappuccino, you pop in two sugars and you have a scone with jam and butter because it was easy for you to just get in those calories. It was convenient for you to go there before your workout. So if you can go from that to maybe just having the scone with a bit of jam and an Americano in the way, you know, in your maintenance phase, it's like, boom, you're keeping in the kind of behavior and you're not, it's not a massive change to the way you've been living, but it's a slight change. And then when you get into the dieting phase and you have to take away a few more calories, it's not, it's not like going from one extreme to the other. Um, so you can gradually change your behavior. So they'd be the primary reasons that I would be thinking of a maintenance phase post dieting as being useful. The other example would be, if someone has gained to the point where like they like where they are now, you know, and that is the case sometimes, especially if someone was, you know, very skinny, very lean, low muscle mass before their gaining phase. And their goal was to kind of get up to this point where they were more muscular, you know, yeah, they have a bit of body fat, but you know, they're, they're feeling bigger. They're filling out their t-shirts. Maybe you're filling out a weight class for some sport or whatever. Um, then, then there doesn't need to be a dieting phase after that. And you're essentially in the same camp as the last example that we're going to give when we talk about lifetime maintenance. So, you know, we shouldn't always assume that a diet is going to come after a gaining phase because in some cases, the gaining phase was the process itself and that was what was required. And now you're just kind of maintaining and getting used to just solidifying at this, this slightly lower calorie level than, was, than that, was, that was required to, to get there in the first place. 100%, you know. Um, and then just on to just add to both the two last discussions on those two things, because I've nothing else to add to like the, the gaining period. Yeah, but it's pretty simple. It's very simple. Like it, it is very simple. Two to four weeks, again, just eating that maintenance to start changing your habits and again, solidify them gains. Um, but I just want to add for both of those examples, what can happen is you change your body weight so much over a period of time that the calories that you were eating that were initially leading to either weight loss or weight gain become your maintenance, mm-hmm. right? Um, like for example, like you eat at a 500 calorie deficit and you effectively just milk that for everything that it's worth, right? You lose 10 kilos of body weight, right? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, my, my body weight is not changing anymore in response to this 500 calorie deficit, you know? You're just simply not in a deficit anymore. You know, you, that's just, you're, you're eating closer. Maybe you are slowly, ever so slowly losing some body weight, you're using some body fat, um, but you're effectively not eating in a maintenance or eating at a deficit anymore. You're eating at your calorie maintenance. And again, the same can happen when you're, you're gaining and you just stop gaining because the calories that you were initially gaining on are now just your maintenance, you know, that it does happen, right? And it, it's actually one of the reasons that you will need to change your calories over time. And it's also one of the reasons that people find it so hard to get results because they don't know when to change their calories. You know, they're like, Oh, I thought I was eating at a 500 surplus and I'm not getting results anymore, but I'm, I'm, I'm stuffing my face with food. And it's like, yeah, well, like it's now your maintenance. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I know it's, it's hard for you to get the calories in, but you're now eating that maintenance. You've, you've gained five kilos, you know, it's like, it is what it is. You're just going to have to increase your calories. Same with dieting. It's like, yeah, you were losing initially on that, but we've stopped now. It's you're right. You're at your maintenance, you know? So I just wanted to put that out there that it does happen that you can get to a body weight change that results in the calories you're eating being your maintenance, even if they initially were not your maintenance, which 
is great in to an extent because then you don't need to change anything to effectively just cruise into maintenance but it's also terrible in that people really don't like when that happens <laughs> and what i mean by that is especially in result in in a dieting context like if you're eating at what you think is a 500 calorie deficit and you get lean enough and uh, you're like oh, i'm happy with this but you know you've stopped changing your body weight people automatically assume they're like oh i have to increase my calories to go to maintenance you know and they're they're expecting this jumping calories to maintain but that potentially isn't coming because you're now eating at your maintenance, you know, and that can really fuck people's heads up where they're like, Oh no, but I, I want to eat more calories. And it's like, yeah, but like, unfortunately right now, this is the level of calories that maintains your body weight. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. And again, that does inform again, the, the, the last discussion again, we're going to have on this because that fucks a lot of people up where they're they're They, they feel like they've been dieting for so long that, they want to transition out of that, but they've got to a stage where calories that they're eating are actually maintenance calories now, you know, and that it doesn't happen too often because, you know, generally well set up diets, you know, they wouldn't happen and adjusted diets wouldn't happen in, but uh, it does happen and it fucks people up, you know, both ways if you're gaining and if you're, you're trying to lose some body fat. Yes. Yes, sir. So, and, Go on. In that case, some of you might be thinking, done with the gaining, done with the dieting. Here I am forever. I'm already perfect. I just want to stay as I am. You know, and that's perfectly valid. You know, and that's something that is um, largely lost. Again, as I kind of alluded to earlier, people get into, you know, health and fitness with the goal of feeling better, you know, looking a bit better, getting to a certain point so that they can live a better life. But what happens in the process sometimes is that people forget about that last part and they basically end up getting so into the process that it becomes everything. And it's always bulking or cutting or something more, something more, something more, how to constantly get better. And that's like, that's a, a, a good desire to have at times. Like, you know, you should always be looking to progress some area of your life, but sometimes it can actually take away from the things that you truly care about because you've basically inherited the values of a lot of people in the fitness industry who didn't get into this for the same reason as you. Because if you're basically following the kind of basic model or framework of those competing in physique sports or bodybuilding competitions or even powerlifting or anything else, then you're not, you're, you're not really getting what this process is all about. So for some people, I think they get to a, they get to, they get to a certain point. And in terms of like the gains they have made that would actually improve their quality of life, are probably 99% there, you know, yeah. and, and that's something that's important because even if we're talking about strength, and if you're talking about strength, yes, strength is a good predictor of longevity. It's really important for your quality of life as you begin to age. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to have a triple body weight squat, you know, so you have to ask yourself where these, these endpoints actually are. Same with muscle mass. You know, if you've gained 10, 15 kilos of muscle, like you're doing pretty damn well. And you've probably added, you know, a significant amount in terms of your quality of life and health again, long-term. So a lot of the things that you might've initially been thinking about, you've probably already achieved. Um, so whether or not it's worth it for you to really keep pushing, you know, these bulking phases or these cutting phases to get to those extra levels. Um, that's an individual conversation and one that you need to kind of consider yourself. But for people who are in a position where, you know, right now, it's time to just kind of maintain what I have developed and try to, you know, begin 
maybe living my life a bit more, not, not focusing so much on constantly changing something with my diet, but still continuing to train and be active and try and improve quality, qualities of fitness and different skills. This is basically the time for a lifetime calorie appropriate diet, you could say. And this doesn't mean that there's never another period of pulling back or cutting or anything like that, you know, because basically what this looks like for most people is you begin to, you know, slowly back away from being quite as neurotic. Like that's the ideal in the long run, because if you've had to track very often your calories to get to this point, then ultimately the transition to maintenance is going to be an increase in in calories as discussed or a decrease in calories, depending on whether you've come from bulking or cutting. And then, you know, you're going to be tracking for a while and, you know, making sure everything's on point and boom, yeah, you're sticking to this, you're maintaining, but two, three months down the line, when you've been kind of constantly eating the same foods relatively regularly, you feel like, you know, am I just tracking for the sake of it? You can start to back away from that a little bit. And that's kind of what I like to see a lot of people do is to start adopting that more kind of intuitive approach or approach that's based on portion control. So, you know, if you have a big breakfast, you know, like, all right, I'll just have a slightly smaller lunch. Boom. Like those simple habits and things start to become really simple. And that's ultimately where we're trying to get to. But having said that, what can happen is that, you know, there'll still be periods of the year, you know, for example, Christmas, where you're, those habits slightly fall, aside, fall to the wayside and you end up consuming, you know, more calories for a while. And then you can still have, you know, a period in January or whatever, where you're like, oh, I'm just going to pull back and be a bit, you know, a bit more um, structured than I was previously, just so I can, you know, lose those couple of kilos and get back to maintaining again. So that's the thing to understand when it comes to this kind of maintenance um, goal in the long run is that it's not just about always maintaining. Like you're basically just treating yourself like, right, I'm happy with my current level of body fat. If I veer away from that, I'm going to, you know, make appropriate adjustments. Um, and yeah, like that's, that's pretty much the, the bulk of what you're trying to achieve there. Yeah. Like I always like to conceptualize these as maintenance periods. Yeah. Right? Like you're effectively eating at a maintenance level, but you're still looking for whatever gains you can make. You know, again, that could be life gains. That could be cardiovascular gains. That could be muscle gains. It could be strength gains, whatever. So I just conceptualize it as like maintenance or gain-taining, you know, because I think that even though it's obviously quite clearly a made up word, uh, it, uh, it helps people kind of stay on track with their goals. Cause it can be, you can kind of end up very like nihilistic where you're like, Oh, I've made all the gains I can make what the fuck do I do now? Like, am I just going to the gym because it's path dependence? Like I've always done it. And you kind of lose your, uh, your love for the, the processes, you know, because you're like, Oh, well, I really like the process of dieting. Cause I, I could see more cuts and veins and, you know, shreds and whatever. I really like the process of gaining. Cause you know, I could really see my, my strength going up and, you know, uh, performance increases and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you can kind of lose that a little bit. If you just kind of transition to maintaining for the rest of your life, you're like, all right, am I just, is this it? You know, like, am I done? You know, whereas if you kind of flip the switch a little bit and go, okay, this is a gain-taining period. It's like, we're just trying to, you know, maintain your rough body weight and maintain the, the rough muscle mass that you have, maintain the rough strength levels that you have, maintain the rough uh, cardiovascular adaptations that you have, but look for whatever improvements we can make over the, the coming years or coming months, years, whatever, you know, like, I always like people to have more than a body composition goal, you know, like, like we do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know, and it's like that, that allows you to continue making skill development a priority for 
whatever in the next fucking 70 years like i want to be 130 years old um still making fucking jits games you know um, like a gold belt or something by that time <laughs> i don't know i'd still probably only be like a, a purple belt by then um, <laughs> um but uh yeah you know what i mean like there's still there's always areas of your life that you can develop you know you can put things on you know the back burner you know like a lot of people in your teens and twenties, it's like, yeah, work on your physique, but just keep in your mind that, you know, you want to be in your thirties, forties, fifties and have money in the bank. You know, like I always say, I always, always encourage uh, people that are new to the health and fitness game to like prioritize bank over bench, you know, like, yeah, you do want to be healthy. You do want to get results in the gym and whatever else, but you know, realistically at the end of the day, you're going to be much happier if you have, a surplus of money in your bank account rather than looking back and be like, yeah, do you remember four years ago when I got down to 8% body fat? You know, oh, I got a good few pictures for Instagram and stuff. You know, that's, it's not going to be a priority for you when you look over your entire life. Yes, 100% do it, you know, but don't do realize that this is just part of what it means to be a human. It's not the, the full extent, like yes, health and fitness and all that kind of stuff is important, 100%. Don't get it wrong, right? But also realize that other things are also important. You know, what are your relationships like with your family? You know, did you lose all your family and friends because you were a dickhead because you wanted to get down to fucking 6% body fat for a, a photo shoot? You know, that's it's probably not the best use of your time, you know, uh, over your lifetime, you know? So do keep that in mind. Do keep in mind that there are other areas of your life that you can be working on. And it is okay to put health and fitness effectively on the back burner that doesn't mean that you don't get results while doing that like i have loads of clients that it's like the reason i'm their coach is because they just want to outsource all the thinking for their health and fitness stuff they still want to get results but they don't want to be thinking like am i on the right track with this oh should i be doing this what about this diet change no they just want to have all of that stuff on autopilot so they can focus on what makes them money what makes them happy what helps their family friends whatever else they're involved in you know happy and you know progressing and they're like i still want to get results with my training and my my diet um and i just want to outsource it i don't want to think about it ever again you know it's like it's just they just execute the plan that's put in front of them you know and that is a good a, a good thought process you know going forward when you do move into this kind of gainfulness phase it's like you can still do that process yourself where you just effectively put your health and fitness on autopilot it's like you should have all the processes ingrained. You know how to lose weight if you need to. You know how to gain muscle if you need to, you know? So right now it's like, yeah, I'm just going to gain what I have and enjoy the process. I'm going to enjoy going to the gym. You know, maybe you do stuff like, okay, what's the, the least amount of exercise I can do to continue progressing, you know? Or, you know, oh, I, I've never really pushed progress in cardiovascular health, you know? Let me see if I can you know, bring in some modalities that target that. Or, you know what, I actually, I, I've always wanted to be able to do some, you know, flexibility stuff. Maybe you want to be able to do the splits or something. It's like, well, let's start working on that, you know? Like you can still bring in certain things and work on certain adaptations once you have actually gotten to a level of body fat, muscle mass, all that kind of stuff that you are relatively happy about like let's be honest like no one is 100 like i don't give a shit what anyone says like no one is 100 happy in their body 
right? Like there's always, and I mean always something that you're like, oh yeah, I wouldn't mind, you know, a little bit more uh, cap delts here. I wouldn't mind a little bit more, uh, you know, thickness on my arms. I wouldn't mind a little bit less body fat here or, oh, I have this stretch mark here. I wouldn't mind getting rid of that. Like there's always something. That doesn't mean that you have to hate yourself or that you don't love your body and you don't like be happy in it. But there's, it's just natural to be, to being human, to want a little bit more. And that's perfectly fine. That's okay. You know, you can still work on bettering yourself in whatever way that means to you, um, over a, a longer time period and still be happy in yourself, you know? Um, but I just wanted to, to put that out there. hundred percent. I'm in. All right. So let's move on to this discussion of diets don't work. Right. And effectively i'm just going to sum up the entire discussion because effectively when someone says that what they mean is they have not been able to maintain the results they got from a diet right and effectively what that means is they either a didn't set up the diet to be sustainable right and that's probably responsible for 90 percent of this discussion you know People are like, oh, diets don't work. And then you ask them, how did you diet? And they're like, oh, I had salad for lunch and uh, two uh, chickpeas for dinner. And it's like, how the fuck did you think you were going to be able to sustain that? Right? So that's, that's probably 90% of this discussion. It's just poor diet protocols and modalities. And again, that's not the individual's fault. You know, like it's the individual's responsibility to go out and get better information so that doesn't happen again. But it's not their fault that that diet failed them. You know, that's the, the fault of the, the health and fitness industry for putting their fucking shit information. Right. Um, so that's the, that's the first thing. Right. So if you haven't listened to the dieting podcast, you know, how to set up your diet and then how to lose body fat, then they're the ones that you should go back and listen to because that's you have to set that up correctly. It has to be a sustainable approach. We have articles on site. We have lots of resources on site to support you doing that, you know, but that that's a non-negotiable. If you want to say diets don't work and you've not dieted correctly, then I'm sorry, I'm not going to listen to you because you just did the process wrong. You know, like you don't say maths doesn't work because you never learned to fucking do addition and subtraction, you know, like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to listen to you telling me that this concept doesn't work because you didn't do it correctly, you know? So again, I'm not giving it to the individuals themselves. I'm just saying that that is a prerequisite to come to this discussion, you know? If someone came to me and they're like, I tracked my calories, I set up everything correctly, I did whatever, and, you know, I still didn't get results a long time, then, then we can have a discussion, you know? Then we can start actually having an informed discussion and being like, okay, let's actually dive a little bit deeper into why this didn't work for you. But if you literally come to me and say, yeah, yeah, uh, green shakes three times per day. And, uh, I couldn't sustain that. I didn't get results from that. I'm like, that, that was never going to be a sustainable approach, you know? Um, so we need to get that out of the, out of the way first. Right. So that's, that's probably about 90% of the discussion around this, about people saying diets don't work. Right. The other 10% is people master the, the art of dieting, but never master the art of maintaining. Right. And women are particularly bad for this, you know, um, you see this in the fitness industry a lot and we've discussed it before where you, you will see women like influencers or whatever, fit fam, whatever you want to call them, where they only ever talk about dieting. Like they're like, Oh, I'm on my diet now, you know, and they, they track the calories or they eat a meal plan and they're on their diet. And then other than that, they're just off their diet. 
and that means they're either like out drinking or out partying or you know eating whatever and you know whatever on, on top of that there's never like oh yeah like i'm actually just eating that maintenance you know there's there's never never any of that it's either like i'm on my diet or i'm just off you know um and like obviously i'm not i'm not just singling out women for that i'm just saying women are particularly bad for that or at least that's what's propagated in the health and fitness sphere you know it's like that's what you see more of women being like well i'm on my diet now and all they ever talk about when they're on my diet is like dieting to lose body fat you know so that is one of the things that is is really deceptive or really even poor information whatever you want to call it uh from the health and fitness sphere where it's like everyone always just thinks of being on the diet as being on a fat loss diet right like even the words we use and i know like we use them as well but like people will say oh i'm dieting right and what they everyone knows what they mean it's like oh i'm dieting for fat loss you know like if i said i'm dieting and someone be like oh how much weight are you trying to lose and i'd be like oh no i'm dieting to gain weight like that's not what people think automatically right like people are like oh i'm on a diet you know like everyone is on a diet your diet is just the food that you eat you know so like the words we use are very much geared towards fat loss you know like so that does also have the unintended consequence of making people think that eating at maintenance or having a sustainable long-term approach isn't something that should be discussed or rather it's not that it shouldn't be discussed that it, it just isn't discussed you know and um, so that's again talking about the the whole concept of people saying diets don't work it's it's because most people don't have first of all the words they don't they use the wrong words to describe it and again that's that's the fault of the fitness industry and just the population at large you know people disseminating information at large you know like no one talks about like oh yeah, i'm on my diet to maintain you know like no one no one talks about that you know um so as a result people just don't have a framework and definitely don't have a plan to transition out of a diet into maintaining what they've built because what most people do is they'll diet they'll get in all these habits in they'll, they'll change their habits they'll change their their intake and even if they do everything you know correctly you know they're like oh i have enough protein i'm eating an appropriate level of carbs and fats and overall calories and you know i'm getting my fiber in I'm, I'm drinking my water and they put all these healthful habits in place right inevitably what happens is people do that get results and then when they look to maintain they effectively just swap back to the diet they were eating previously you know and whatever that is it's like it, that could be you know oh i want to get some chinese food i want to order in i want to get some takeout or takeaway uh, i want to eat some biscuits with my tea and whatever else and effectively their diet just slowly slowly slips back to the diet that they were previously on that they had to then lose fat from you know like the their maintenance diet is just a diet that got them fat in the first place you know and then all of a sudden they're like oh well i've gained back 70 percent of the weight that i lost oh diets don't work that diet didn't work you know it's like the diet the, the diet worked the maintenance diet you employed after it that was the issue you know yeah like i always find this a pretty surprising topic because like you see I've seen a lot of like doctors who basically promote the idea that like like they'll say things like um oh i don't i don't actually counsel any of my uh patients on weight loss anymore because of the data and the fact that just diets just don't work. And I just think that is absolutely ridiculous. And like, if it, like obviously there's, there's an argument to be made there in terms of like, yeah, you can promote um, health behaviors 
without uh, just chasing weight loss. Absolutely. Yeah, we should cool. definitely just state that. I'm like, I'm yeah. not putting any validation All down for that. anything on like your, your body fatness. I'm like, be as fat as you want to do. Like I yeah, don't think fat should be a bad word. I'm like, we all have body fat. It's literally just stored energy. Like it's irrelevant. Like, yes, there are metabolic complications and yes, there are potential health issues, but there's also those same things, maybe different actual issues if you have too low a body fat, you know? So like there is an argument here. There is definitely a better discourse that we can have around this whole topic. And definitely I'm, I'm not one for like fat shaming, you know? I'm like, I, what does that really serve? You know, like, or rather, who does that really serve? And you can be, again, like healthy at any body weight, you know, uh, or healthy at any body fat. You know? However, obviously, if you do have complications that are directly related to body fatness and like okay yeah you can be healthy at any body fat or you can be healthy at any body weight but you as an individual are not you know we have to discuss this you know it's like okay like we can't just ignore it and say like oh yeah my diabetes is not related to my body fatness and like all right, it probably is you know like oh my heart disease is not related to my body fatness and like it, it probably is you know <laughs> it's like you, you can't just say that healthy at any body weight and then not look at the causative factors for the disease that you're presenting with you know having said that if you come in and you're like i have an, a urinary tract infection or something and the doctor all they goes like step on the scale there oh it's yeah, probably yeah. related to your body fat i'm like that's retarded like it, 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 that's just plain and simple retarded you know um but at the same time it's like we we know that body fatness does play a role in certain disease processes and like so we should discuss it for those disease processes we can't just ignore a, a potential causative factor here or a, pretend, a potential uh, curative uh, intervention here. You know, like you can't just reach for a pill to, you know, cure your heart disease when it's like, yeah, you actually need to do some cardiovascular work and you need to lose some weight. It's like, that's, that's two things that we need to bring in because you're now at risk because of those, but the fact that you're not doing those things, for heart disease like you have all these markers that are showing a risk for heart disease and like we should nip this in the bud now and that involves you know potentially losing some weight and doing some more cardiovascular work you know yeah and that's the problem here is that like it's very difficult to have a kind of a nuanced conversation when immediately your counterpoints like seem like they're like oh you're just you're saying that people should you know the fat is their fault and you're just fat shaming it's like no 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 not at all absolutely not like uh, like there's a case to be made for the kind of health at every size movement and that people should not be um, denied health care or they should not receive different treatment just because of their body weight or their body fatness. Absolutely. hundred percent. Similarly, if you as an individual, if you're 40% body fat and you're saying, I want to improve my health, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in for weight loss. That's not what I'm here for. Cool. No problem. You can still gain muscle. You can still um, improve your cardiovascular fitness. You can eat more dietary fiber. You can eat more protein, etc independent of whether those things improve your actual body composition, independent of whether they cause you to lose weight, you can still improve your health. So 100%. And I think there's a lot to be gained from that. However, the place where that becomes a little bit disjointed from the actual kind of evidence in the way that we would interpret it is when people start to say that diets don't work, so I don't counsel anyone on weight loss, or I don't consider it to be a valid intervention. And people do say that. Healthcare professionals do say that. And I feel that it is a misinterpretation of the available evidence. Because if you see that, okay, weight loss does not seem to work most of the time, it's really important to look at that and say, 
okay, but maybe as professionals, we could actually find ways to support people much better so that we can improve those numbers. Like I would look at that as being like a target that we try to improve rather than something that we use as justification for inaction. Like I think that's a failed approach from the start. Like it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. The real issue is that as a society, we have entangled fault and responsibility, you know? So as soon as you bring something up, it's like automatically someone's like, oh, you're saying that's my fault, you know? And that's not the case for and a lot of this. It's like, no, they're saying it's your responsibility to deal with this, you know? It might not be your fault. And fuck, you might've been abused as a kid and you've used fucking food as an emotional, you know, tool to somewhat overcome that. It's like, that's, fuck, I, I, I would argue that that's not your fault, you know? However, it is your responsibility to learn better coping mechanisms to help you deal with that, that trauma rather than using something that's potentially contributing to health risk factors or health or poor health in the future, you know? So like fault and responsibility are not the same thing, you know? And if you are a medical professional or even you are a, we'll call it a frontline healthcare professional, which again, I think like personal training, it, it should be viewed as that. Um, you, you, you have to disentangle those two things. You have to look to support the individual and allow them to actually take responsibility without blame. You know, it's not like, this is not a blame game being like, oh, stop fucking shoving pies in your pie hole. It's like, that's, there's a reason why they're doing this. You know, maybe it's a lack of education. Maybe it's a lack of resources. Maybe it's just, you know, again, trauma or whatever. Like there's, there's a reason. There, there is a reason, you know, and your goal as a professional, which, you know, you should be professional, um, is to support them changing their habits so that they get more positive outcomes than what they're currently getting. And again, that could be just healthier habits in general. So they're improving their health independent of weight loss, you know. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I think the issue is actually just we've intertwined, intertwined fault and responsibility. And if we can just detangle those two things and realize that, yes, it's not your fault. That's cool. You didn't know better. Like, it's fine, you know, but it is your responsibility to deal with it. Yeah, 100%. And like, I think the, the key message to take away here, um, get, like getting back to the actual point is that like, there are predictors of successful weight loss maintenance. And that's important because like most of the claims that people will bring up related to failed weight loss come from the national weight, weight loss control or weight control registry, which is basically a database in the US that people self register to if they've lost, I think, what is it? Is it more than more than 30 pounds or more than 10% of their body weight, something along those lines. I can't remember the specifics, but basically once you meet a certain threshold, you register with the uh, national weight control registry. And then it's basically a register of all the people who have, um, who have lost weight, who've successfully um, maintained that loss over a certain period of time. And what you see is that, you know, those people that tend to maintain it, yeah, they actually, um, they exercise pretty regularly. And that's one of the things that comes into this weight, this weight loss maintenance thing. And that's what, what we're getting to with this point of trying to view maintenance as an actual process in which you actually continue to develop and mold your habits so that there's something there for the long term. So I don't think it's reliable to just say that diets just don't work when you actually look at the way that the average person is going to diet without the guidance of anyone, when you look into the research on weight loss interventions, when people are actually supported by dietitians, they have the option to check in and, you know, there's a process of motivational interviewing and that sort of stuff. People tend to do better. The weight loss outcomes in those studies versus uncontrolled observations of weight loss are going to be superior. And anyone who has worked in a coaching context would understand why that is the case because weight loss is difficult. The process of improving your diet 
is difficult. You know, learning to do your shopping every week, to cook, to cook certain foods, to cook meals that are tasty, especially if you have a family, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of different barriers that pop up, but I think the key point is that as professionals, we can do better to actually support people through that process. And part of that is through actually navigating the maintenance phase and not just trying to cultivate skills of body weight gain or body weight loss. Yeah. I think ultimately like I would rather put out a message that is empowering than this. Yeah, like why are you, why I don't see why people would first of all, want to follow a message that suggests that, Oh, they have no power over this, this process, you know, their body fatness, you know, it's like, that's just completely disempowering. You know, like what, like why would you want to give away all your power when you could literally be empowered and be like, okay, there is a, a method that seems to work. Can I try it? Can I gain empowerment through like the education on this method or, you know, the actual practical support that's given to me by my doctor, my dietitian, my coach, whatever. Um, and then get results that I can maintain for the rest of my life. Like I, I just don't, I just don't see why you would want to give away your power or also be someone that takes power from people. Like you surely want to empower them. You know, you surely want to tell them that there is a way for them to get results. Like, I, like, like you can't just say like, Oh, uh, you are great the way you are. You know, if the person feels like they aren't, you know, if they feel like they aren't great, you know, that doesn't help them. You know, it's like, Oh, you're great the way they are. That, that just leaves you feeling like, Jesus, is this the best it's going to get? Yeah, this is it. Fuck. And like, you, you feel like shit and you're like, oh, this is the best. This is the best I can do with my life. You know, that's disempowering. Whereas if you're like, look, yeah, you, you can stay the way you are. Like realistically, at the end of the day, no one fucking cares. All right. But if you do want to change, here are the supports, here are the resources. This is the education that you need to engage in to get results that you want to achieve. You know? Yeah. Like I'm, one of the ways I like to think about it that I think is funny is right. Like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu or any martial art, let's say, right most people are going to either kind of quit or give up when they're a white belt. You know, it's like, yeah, you, you might take it up for a while. You try it. Oh, you're not really improving. You don't really like it. Whatever you quit at white belts. Boom. Right. Brazilian jiu-jitsu doesn't work because most people don't become blue belts or purple belts or brown belts or black belts. Obviously that is not the case. And it would be ridiculous for a black belt coach to turn around after one year and say, you people who are still white belts at one year, it's, it's not working. It's not going to work for you. Like, you know, clearly, clearly that is not the case. And it's the same when it comes to exercise. Like we all have variable responses to weight training. And I feel like everyone understands all of these things in so many other areas of life, like saving money. Most people can't successfully save money, but saving money works. You know, it, it still works. It's just, you know, it's difficult for some people and people have to come up with individual strategies. And some people might need a financial consultant to really nail things. And like, all of these things, we all, we all are more or less successful in different avenues of life. Dieting or the process of weight loss and weight loss maintenance should be viewed no different. And you don't need to feel bad about yourself if you have, you know, quote unquote, failed three diets in a row or whatever. You know, maybe the, pro the approaches were not, not appropriate for you. You didn't have the right support. You weren't given the right resources. And that's fine. You know, again, it's, it's still your responsibility, you know, but it's not necessarily your fault. There can still be other faults in place that were not necessarily yours. Um, so, so yeah, that's a really key distinction. I think that like we'll probably do individual podcasts on these kind of broader topics of like, does dieting work? What's the relationship with body fatness and health? Um, so we will come back to these topics, but I think for the purpose of today, that covers, I think most of what we wanted to get through.
yeah like effectively i think it does but also i just wanted to add like bro medicine doesn't work because we all die eventually like might as well not go to a doctor yeah, everyone's dying man <laughs> don't go like it doesn't work everyone fails anyway we're all dead you know it doesn't matter um but yeah i think that does uh hopefully cover the majority of the stuff that we want to talk around maintenance um so effectively let's just do a little recap yep. first first maintenance period you're going to ever experience is the initial one that helps you set up your diet right you can skip it if you want but it's probably not a great idea to skip it because you're always going to kind of be on the back foot and trying to like oh am i in a deficit how much of a deficit well, what's the story with that you know so spend again if you are being coached you probably only need three days to seven days whatever um but if you are coaching yourself um two weeks roughly eating maintenance to figure that out that that's a good place to start then you can engage in your diet behavior either to lose fat or to gain muscle or whatever to influence your body fat and then at the end of either of those two periods you know you're probably going to want to do a maintenance period as well to effectively either solidify your gains or you know move to a period of time where you effectively are able to maintain the results that you've got from either of those periods whether it was fat loss or muscle gain you know you've moved to maintenance then finally when you've done repeated cycles of those and you're like, man, I've gained all the muscle that I'm ever going to gain. I've lost all the fat that I ever want to lose. Um, let's move to a lifetime calorie appropriate diet and eat at maintenance or what I like to call gaintenance um, so that I can make small incremental improvements in my health, performance, body composition, whatever. Um, and effectively, that's a, another maintenance period that you're going to engage in. And then just to recap on the story of do diets work? Yes, diets work. You just have to learn how to actually maintain the results that you've got from whatever diet modality that you implemented. You know, again, fault and responsibility, they're not the same thing. It is your responsibility to, you know, look after your own health. No one else is going to do it for you. you know, unfortunately, I, I can't do it for you. Um, but it's not your fault if you are in a poor position right now because of poor poor advice that you've got previously or a lack of education, a lack of knowledge around the topic, especially of around the topic of maintaining the results that you have achieved from whatever diet it is that, you know, helped you get those results. That's it, man. All right, so Gary, how can people follow us? As always, guys, newsletter linked below. So if you'd like to get your weekly email newsletter, um, including recommended resources, the content that we have posted throughout the week, along with uh, an exclusive you know, article that covers another topic that we haven't discussed, then that's the place to get involved with that. You can also get involved with the triage Method community. That's our free open access Facebook group. Um, and there's been a lot of content kind of going in there this week. You know, we've posted things about our own clients. So kind of case studies or, or kind of coaching tips, like things that we've encountered in our check-ins, you know, videos that we're posting in there. And there'll be a lot going in there over the next couple of weeks because people are at home and we're trying to, you know, make sure that people are supported in terms of like being able to train away at home. If you're having any issues with nutrition or anything like that, you can get in touch and that's always the, the best place to do that. Um, and, you know, as always, you're aware of the services we offer, one-to-one -one coaching, group coaching, and um, we've got programs and eBooks in the store as well. Um, and if you need any information about those, you can contact us uh, in the Facebook group or info at triagemethod.com. Wonderful, Gary. Very succinct. Very, very oh. um, I've nothing else to add except I uh, hope everyone's enjoying themselves and they don't have a coronavirus. Yep. Hope you don't have it. May your family be safe. Best wishes to you all. Peace out. Peace out.